February 17, 2023. It's a Watt for Pedro show. They don't go on
Thank <laughs> you.
Wap for Pedro Show. Happy Friday. Started off with uh, John Coltrane doing Chasing the Train live at the showboat in Philly, 1963. Then The Invisible Man, uh, the Martin Ware Heaven 17 remix, Devo's Gerald B. Casale. And because of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention, I got with me, Mr. <laughs> Gerald Casale. One bar, welcome bar, truly, bass brother. My, my wife is of Estonian descent. Is that right? Raymond Pettibone's yeah. mother was an immigrant from there. Oh, really? Oh, that makes sense. I wouldn't shit you, Gerald. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> little I love ba- Raymond stuff. I love it. Little Baltic. Little Baltic. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so we got to uh, thank uh, maybe Conan for the connect. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. And uh, please bring yeah. your earliest musical memory. Earliest musical memory? Okay, uh, uh, I don't remember if it was Frankie Lane or... Tex Ritter is um, the song about the uh, Ghost Riders in the Sky. There's different versions. And I was maybe four, and my parents, of course, had one of those huge stand-up console radios, you know, that that stood, you know, massive weight and wood and stood about four feet high where I had to reach up for the knobs. But... uh, they had a station, and of course, it played a lot of country music. You know, it was Ohio in the early '50s, and uh, which was a very uh, you know blue collar, racist kind of place. And um, and and I loved that song. And every time it came on, I would just like bounce by the radio, like hold on to the radio and and move around. You know, kid dancing to uh, Ghost Riders in the Sky. Yeah, the it radios kind of... and stereos—they were kind of like furniture, huh? They're huge. Totally like furniture, yeah. And well, I remember that song because I'm born in '57, so I'm a boy in the '60s. I remember, uh, yeah, like surf versions of that stuff. And, oh yeah, sure, yeah. It, it would lend itself to that because it had, it had that big Western reverb guitar in it even then. Right, right. And so this pad you grew up in, did it have any musical instruments? No, uh, I, of course. From an early age, I wanted. First thing I wanted was drums, <laughs> like many kids, and then I wanted a guitar. But again, my parents were working class and uh, unfortunately Catholic. And what I mean is, you know, because of the uh, they lived in fear and guilt of uh, going to hell. The church had mandated, you know, birth control was off off the table, so to speak, out of the bed. So uh, they had too many kids, and they couldn't afford to give me anything like that. Well. What about it at in school? Were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? Um, I was, of course, forced to go to parochial school. There, so in my elementary school, there was no music class. There were no musical instruments, uh, you know. And and then in junior high, I finally got to go to a regular secular school. There were, of course, marching band. There was music class, and uh, I think that's where I started. <laughs> Messing around with a trumpet, trumpet, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and uh, and I asked my dad to get me a trumpet, and of course he didn't. <laughs> and the school was poor, and uh, you know I never got my own trumpet. <laughs> so you used theirs. What, what what chair did they have? Hierarchy like that with first chair, second chair, shit like that. You know you're you're right. I'm remembering that now. You're jogging my memory. They did. I was just a peon. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, I got. I had ten weeks of seventh grade clarinet, and Mr. Luna, he said, "What? You try hard, but stop wasting your time, my time." And he looked at the class. He said, "Our time." So Watt never took another music class. Thank God for D. Boone. There you go. Yeah. So <laughs> let me ask you this: first record you bought with your own money? Yeah, it was. It was "Don't Be Cruel," the forty-five from Elvis. And did you get it at a drugstore? No, we actually had in the town of Kent, where I grew up, there was a cool little record store uh, about five minutes from where I lived, and I could walk to it. And uh, it's where I bought, you know, and it had tons of 45s. And I, I, that's where I bought uh, Don't Be Cruel. And then only a few years later, I started buying Bob Dylan. <laughs> Whoa. Well, I asked that because, you know, people don't believe me that there wasn't a lot of record stores, and you bought this shit at fucking drugstore. I got my first yeah, 45. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And uh, D. Boone bought a Telecaster in Kent. We only got to play Kent once. Some place called Mother's, I think, upstairs. Or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and we searched around. He got some all Rosewood, very heavy Telecaster. I got his daddy gave it to me. <laughs> anyway, um, what about first gig you went and saw? Uh, it was uh, The Young Rascals. <laughs> Young Rascals, I'm good loving. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like Italian guys, I think, d uh, dancing around. And they would play at this place that was a great big, like, um, it's almost like on Lake Erie in northeastern Ohio. It was like spring break, right? It was like if you were too poor to go to Daytona Beach, you went up to whatever it was, Geneva on the lake or something, and it was a big thing and camping and this is where everybody would smuggle in their three two beer and pitch tents and get drunk and uh uh you know have your first sexual experiences and and the young rascals were the band and uh the soundtrack of our life yeah <laughs> within a year i saw the yard Birds. ah which which version the one with uh jeff with, beck with and jeff beck. Mm -hmm. okay jeff beck. yeah because i know yeah, uh, jimmy page Jimmy Page was in that band, too, and so was Eric Clapton. That's right. It started with Eric, and it went to Beck, and then Page was briefly, he was at the end. Well, I think he buys the name, and he changes it to Led Zeppelin. Uh-huh. So somebody okay. told me some shit like that. Uh -huh. Anyway, did you ever get on the drums? And, like, now I'm not saying graduate high school, but after school in the afternoon, the bedroom band, the garage band, the basement band? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because I, in high school then, of course, I... With some uh, classmates, I formed a band. The first band I was in was the Haymarket Riot. Oh, uh, Chicago, to... right? <laughs> that was an actual event in Chicago. <laughs> I know. That's what we based it on. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, that band fell apart and I started, you'll love this one, <laughs> The Satisfied Mind. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but but Haymarket uh, Affair, um, how did it get together? We, 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 you were the band leader and the drummer? I love that idea. No, I wasn't. I wasn't the drummer, but I was playing the drums a lot, showing the drummer what I thought he should be doing. You know, okay. that was me with my. I had this early on. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was clearly a field marshal, director. You know, long before I, I knew I was a director. I was always directing, like, "Hey, do it like this, and then we'll do this." And, you know, and we were, you know, we were playing Chuck Berry and blues you know that's and what were you playing early rolling stones what what instrument were you on i well in in um in the haymarket riot i was the lead singer oh and, damn uh, so only using and, the voice as an instrument yeah and the tambourine of course and the oh, okay harmonica, okay. You know. okay no maracas 
Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Oh, that was easy for me. Remember, yeah. that was big in the 60s. You can hear it on the 45. Sometimes it's louder than a drum set. Rolling Stone songs. They, have- they loved maracas. I mean, the Rolling Stones loved maracas, uh, Yardbirds and some other bands. <laughs> yeah. John Mayall. Yeah, they, they loved maracas. And they were easy to play for me because I had good rhythm. Yeah, yeah. So can you remember the first Haymarket Riot gig? Oh, it was at uh, my high school. Uh, it was at Kent Roosevelt High School. We we played at a school dance. <laughs> was it a success? They throw shit? Yeah, I thought so. Okay. I thought so. <laughs> I always ask about that because you can only have your first gig once, you know. That's right. And and you say the band don't last long. No, of course. You know, typical of those situations. <laughs> what what about the material? Fast-moving targets back then, you know. Everybody's changing. Um and I forget what happened specifically. It's just, you know, the people involved weren't dedicated. You know how it is. They they didn't have the spirit to make this their life. Right. And, and what about the material? Were, were you guys doing, because uh, me and D. Boone, we copied off records when we were teenagers. That's what we did. That's oh, you did, did too? Okay, okay. So then you go into the, the satisfied mind. And what's the <laughs> difference between that and the Haymarket ride? Well, I, that's, that's where I started playing bass. Ah, now, how'd you get on bass? Well, I always loved the bass, and I finally got myself a cheap Danny Electro bass. Dan Electro, <laughs> yeah, kind of Masonite, right? Real lightweight. What was what about oh, yeah. what about amp? Uh, God, I don't remember. I think we were just using, you know, the fenders that you could afford. Then I had, I think, I had a Fender cabinet with one twelve or one fifteen in it. You know, that's yeah, whatever can... that is. Because bass amps in the 60s were tough. Bass amps, you know, even I think they used them for harmonica, the Fender ones, because not until the SVT came did we really get some muscle in there. So I'm curious. Yeah, basically you're playing a guitar in the bass range. That's how it sounds, you know, with that equipment. And, 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 okay, so you're on the bass. Are you still singer, man? I, I was still singing some. You know, I wasn't the lead singer at that point. And can you remember... The first gig with the satisfied mind. I love that name. <laughs> I know. It's so stupid. 60s. It's so great. Late 60s. Mid 60s. Mid 60s. 66. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We played uh, somewhere at some little uh, like summer event in like Chagrin Falls or some some suburb of Cleveland, Ohio. It was a big deal, you know, driving out of Kent, going all the way 30 miles. <laughs> so, <laughs> like it's Pedro to Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still yeah, measure shit home. like that. When people say, how long have a ride? Well, it's about three and a half Hollywoods. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So was there success this gig? Not as much. It, there were a lot of mistakes. and uh, Clams. I remember. The lead, lead singer, I think he, you know, he had some stage fright. He got drunk before, so he was really off. <laughs> oh man, yeah, can't get that back. Uh, look, you gave me this. Uh, well, you gave. Uh, well, Jeff did actually. I'm gonna pay you back. I want to play that. A bullet for your war of attrition and your exploitation of the human condition. A duplicitous man on a curious mission waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm gonna pay you back. I'm gonna pay you back. I'm gonna pay you back right now. 
you lying You appropriated credit You let them think you said it I gotta give you credit That hat trick is impressive Take all the fame and glory Deflect the blame Rewrite the story I'm gonna pay you back I'm gonna pay you back I'm gonna pay you back Right
catch your breath in a time fine exhibits losing words for progress gaze upon your savior your plastic deals and silver walls make it happen Driving
Scott from Pedro Show, that chunk of music star with Devo's Gerald V. Casale. <laughs> I mean, this is the way it's listed, so I'm a talking head, right? I'm, I'm going to pay you back. And then uh, Richard yeah. Hell with, uh, this is the only song Tom Fogarty wrote for Creed's, Walking on the Water. I thought this was such a trip when I heard it on his that Voidoid album. Like, wow, some punk band is covering Creedence. Right, because when I met D. Boom, that was the only rock and roll. We were twelve, you know. He had, the only rock band he knew was CCR. And anyway, this is "Walking on the Water" live at the Living Room in Providence, Rhode Island, nineteen eighty-five. Sunk Heaven. Well, the guitar band, one of them is Ivan Julian. He was on last edition, and this next one, Sunk Heaven. This is his son, and the tune called "Incident." He told me he was trying to get his son into, uh, like Johnny Lee Hooker. You know, you got to. Oh say, yeah. He goes, Pop, you don't understand. So <laughs> that shit happens. I mean, you're dealing with the next shift, too. Jeff Winters told me you got a one-year-old. It just happened, man. I can't believe it. It's uh, it's pretty overwhelming and shocking, but it's real. <laughs> so are you going to give the – got to learn some Johnny Guitar Watson. Uh... You know it. Okay. You know it. I mean, my wife and I both love the history of great music and – and she knew, you know, she's much younger than me, but she knew as much about early uh, urban and rural blues uh, artists than I did. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, well, well, yeah, it's, I remember this song, this, I think they were called Black Humor, and they had this song, they go, the only thing new is you, finding out about it. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and you, when you find out about it, you think you're reinventing the wheel. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, look what the British Invasion did. They brought... They took our music, our roots music, and brought it back to us. <laughs> but in a way, we should be grateful, right? Because we would have like ignored that shit. Well, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think I would have discovered like Willie Dixon or or John Lee Hooker or Robert Johnson or any of it without that happening. Yeah, ain't that a trip? The exotica, huh? Because if it's too close, you don't, you like, yeah. it don't exist, right? But oh, there was this great, you know, there was these bullshit American you know, TV shows that were a big deal, like Shindig. Oh, yeah. And uh, the <laughs> Rolling Nanny. Stones came on. And Brian Jones, you know, part of their gig, because they had the power, they brought on Holland Wolf. Whoa. And the, and the host, like, you know, like, like this horrible chatty monster, you know, like Jimmy somebody. He's going on and on. And Brian puts, you, you can see this in a, in, a, in a YouTube clip. He puts his hand on his shoulder and goes, all right, then, why don't you just be quiet and let the man sit? <laughs> you know, and then Howlin' Wolf scares this audience of little white kids, man. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, let me tell uh, yeah, well, that's reality on the dealio. So, you know, it's, it's, it's so duplicit the way things happen. It's trippy. Uh, oh, I should yeah. tell the people what else they heard. Position normal with peace. Deerhoof, brand new, wed march, flower. Uh, Cat Casual in the final word, intermission. This is Stooges, last gig with Dave Alexander, uh, Goose Lake, 1970. Stooges. A Muskeg Mudsuck from Anchorage, Alaska. Field du Gimbri. Pardon my... I ruined everybody's <laughs> language. I don't mean to. Bob Pollard from Dayton. Other side of the state, right? Uh, count us yeah. in. I think kind of near where this train just uh, got all fucked up and polluting everything. Oh, how about that? Yeah, Whoa. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and then Daryl 
uh, Devo's Gerald V. Casale and Funk Investigation with It's All Devo. What's this collab? You know, these are guys I met in Italy uh, that uh, out of, uh, out of uh, I think, Palermo. Is where, not, not Palermo. Uh, Sicily. Naples. Naples. Oh, Napoli. Uh, okay. Yeah. Number and two, uh, they were interesting guys. And they were, they were two producers that, you know, create, you know, they do DJing. Create, well, they do what, what's being done over and over and over today. But they wanted to collaborate with me. And, t- and they wanted, they had this, they had these tracks and they wanted me to turn it into a song. And uh, I did, and I worked with my Italian artist friend, Max Papeski, in Milan, because I love his imagery. It's all kind of transgressive and political and, and, and polarizing. And uh, all, the, all the imagery in the video is animated versions of the, of the images in his uh, photo collages and paintings. So it yeah. was fun. And collaborating over the Internet for uh, trading files, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, people, you don't you can use the Internet for more than uh, spreading lies and hate. You can uh, like collab. Absolutely. Like, right? like, yeah, was... like with <laughs> knives, right? You can cut your chow or you can cut your buddy. <laughs> Another duplicity, right. duality, dangling duality. Well, there always is. You give the monkey a tool and you know he's going to do bad things and good things. <laughs> Absolutely. So what happens with the satisfied mind? Oh, God, you know, I, I went off to Kent State University and, uh, you know, was constantly having my mind blown and changing and finding out what I really thought and who I really was. And I, I, got, I got very politicized over the Vietnam War and, and the right wing swing of our government. And I joined Mark Rudd came from Columbia and recruited for students for a democratic society, SDS. And I, I joined that and uh, I kind of moved away from music and uh, except Privately, I was playing, you know, in my apartment and playing with friends, uh, you know, jamming. And uh, and then can, and then May 4th happened where, you know, we Kent all State. get shot at yeah. and two of my friends get killed. And, and uh, it, that completely changed me. That was like the red pill experience where you find out that the, uh, the brand called America and freedom is all bullshit. And uh, you find out. History is really written by those who control it, and you're in an alternate reality. Devo happens. Yeah, well, I started. Yeah, I started formulating ideas. It was with right my around the Bob same Lewis. time, right? It was, he, yeah, go ahead. It was right around the same time. Well, it was right after. You know, it's like in the year after we start talking, and our lives are completely changed. You know, I mean, yeah. I because of that, I lost my scholarship to go to graduate school at uh, University of Ann Arbor because they decided anybody that had been in a politically quote left wing group that they were dangerous and outside agitators and going to cause trouble at whatever school they went to. So I got fucked and uh, I had to hang around Kent and Bob Lewis and I, my good friend who was like an academic kind of guy and a poet and a writer. It's Devo started as a, as a concept, like a literary and art concept. So I started doing devolutionary art and then we called it Devo. And then at one point I said, man, what would devolutionary music sound like? And we started trying to make devolutionary music. And that's when I met Mark and I liked his art. And then I found out he was in a prog rock band in Akron called Flossie Bobbitt. And he knows that I was in a band called 156075, the numbers, numbers band, band, which were playing hardcore blues. And they were popular in the area in Kent, and Cleveland and Akron. And he didn't think much of that stuff and thought, what are you doing, you know, black man's music from the 50s for? And I thought, well, what are you doing this kind of wanky 
how many notes and time changes can I play, you know, stuff that wanky white guys do. So we kind of, we respected each other's visual. I said, I said, well, listen, why shouldn't what we do be as original musically as what we're doing visually that we like? And he agreed. So we started trying to do that. And that's how these, that, that style was born because we said if it sounds like any genre on a radio or any band we were in, can it, shit can it, throw yeah. it out. And we got it down to like minimalism and repetition because we made rules for ourselves that were like jokes. Like you can't change, can't make a musical change unless you can tell me why you're doing it. Don't tell me you, it's eight bars, so you got to change. So that's how things that's how things like Jocko Homo <laughs> got going where you're doing like you know, and it's just jungle primitive shit. And of course, the longer we did it, the more we were getting off. You know, we were like little white natives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bitching. Look, we're at the end of the first hour. February seventeenth, twenty twenty three, Dish Wap Peter Show special guest Gerard No, Gerald Casale. Gerard. <laughs> so sorry. Hey, hold tight fire too. February 17, yeah. 2023. Second hour of the lot from Pedro Show.
There's this guy who sits in a room. He doesn't do anything but just stares at the wall. But every week towards the end of the show, he gets up and takes a pratfall. Sometimes he lands on his face Sometimes he lands on his butt But afterwards he's always a little confused Like he don't know what from what He's that guy In that room And every week you'll get a sense of your own impending doom From that guy in that room, in that room, in that room.
Start off the second hour uh, off air. I'm because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm uh, commiserating with fellow bass player people, so we're talking shop, yeah. like how I got wait, on wait, the wait, motherfucker. You you saw T Rex live? Yeah, our first the first gig I saw was T Rex. Uh, we were wow. 14 years old, me and D Boone. It was 1973, wow. and and because he's asking me people how I got on bass, and it was D Boone's mom put me on bass because the the day I went over his house, met his ma. She said you're going to have a band. She said everybody. Buddy's band had a bass, and I didn't know what it was. In the pictures, it looked like a four-string guitar. I didn't know the strings were so fucking big. So for the first two years, I played a guitar with only four strings. Then I saw one, and I said, no wonder there's only four. They're so fucking big. And, uh, but I'm glad. I'm forever grateful to her for putting me on bass because it is a beautiful. It is still kind of mysterious. That's why I, I, I wanted to ask you how you were drawn to it so early because a lot of people didn't know what it was, but you knew right away. Well, because, you know, in the stuff I liked, I could hear it. It was driving it, you know, like yeah. I, it was, you know, I mean, songs like Satisfaction, you know, I mean, the early Rolling Stones, yeah. all their blues songs. They're hearing you're hearing the bass lines that they copped from the blues from uh, Chicago blues, yeah. and then Motown with James Jamerson yes. at the same time. Yes. He's playing shit that blew my mind, yeah. and, and and I was drawn right to the fact that this he was locked into that Motown, bah, 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 oh, bah, yeah. bah, bah. and I just wanted Betty to Benjamin. You know, I always needed speed, man. I wanted to drive. I wanted to pulse. Yeah, I want to go. Push, push, push. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. So, uh, people, we start off the second hour with Find Out from Devo's Gerald V. Cassell. Then that guy in the room from Sam Bennett, of, of a vast tight string conspiracy with Houston, we got a problem. 
Uh, Roger Clark Miller <laughs> with uh, Dream Interpretation Number 15. He was uh, in Ann Arbor. His, I think parents were teachers at uh, where you try to go to school, Ann Arbor. Oh, Ann Arbor, yeah. Wolverines, yeah. Wolverines. Yeah. yeah. And he, uh, If Bawana, Al Margolis out of Chester, New York, Major Lutz, and finally, De Alton Machinen and Devo's Gerald V. Casale with To Be or Not, another uh, <laughs> collab with Overseas Cats. Yeah, they liked Devo, and they sent me these tracks, and they said, we have this idea of a sad robot, and we need you, you know, and we might make a, a film, but we need you to turn it into a song with vocals. So I I tried. <laughs> I love it. I think it's happening. Uh, so can you remember the first Devo gig? How long does it re stay conceptual? It stays conceptual for a long time. I mean, we... We started, you know, actively getting together and experimenting in, in 1973, uh, early in 1973. And other than this one-off gig at Kent State University at the Creative Arts Festival in April of 73, when we were clearly not ready for primetime, and it was just kind of proto-Devo, uh, we played this one gig. Mark spent the whole time in a full head chimpanzee mask, uh, be, you know, playing his, he had a, um, an organ and a Moog, mini Moog. And on a, on a, you know, elaborate keyboard stand that weighed a lot more than the modern ones. And he stood behind it with his mask and, a, in a white lab coat, the whole, the whole thing. He didn't sing then. Did you guys uh, have your brothers aboard yet? No, not okay. at all. Uh -uh. No, it was me on bass and uh, Bob Lewis on guitar. And, oh, wait a minute. My brother did show up and play guitar for that, my brother Bob. And, uh, and then Bob Lewis insisted that this local singer who was the front man for a band called The Measles, <laughs> that, that, that Joe Walsh had started. Right? Whoa. Uh, yeah. Okay, James Gang, yeah. Well, yeah, we used to go see the James Gannon regularly. Uh, Which and, I, I found out wasn't his band. He had joined that band. So his band was actually the Measles. That's, okay, That's right. That's right. Sort of like uh, Steve Marriott taking over Humble Pie from Pete Frampton. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So, so, so what a trip. So that, that, that was a singular gig, though. So you don't play again for a while. We don't play again until 1975. <laughs> yeah, that's just play to a crowd, play live until 1975. Okay, you gave and, me this, uh, you yeah. gave me another uh, collab, Only a Fool Can Die? Let's listen. Yeah.
puppet need a puppeteer. Does every puppet need a puppeteer? Even those that have no strings attached. Do the puppets fall down and stay motionless with a hand up their back?
enjoyed some fame around the time we did that collaboration. Uh, he, uh, I think that was what, 2007 maybe. And he was, he was big in the clubs, uh, you know, DJ and, uh, doing original music and doing club gigs all over America and in England. And, uh, of course, he, he liked Devo, and he wanted to do something with Devo, but, you know, just was getting nowhere talking to the hands. So I said, well, why don't we do something? You know, it doesn't have to be all of Devo. You don't have to wait for that to happen. So we started working at his home studio in Silver Lake, and I really liked uh, I really liked that, that music. And so we worked on that music in an arrangement, and uh, I had this idea, <laughs> only a fool can die. <laughs> uh, Good, Pretty good typical of Jerry Casale lyrics. Now, now, does uh, titles come first or last? You know, it's every possible combination. Okay, because I, I got to start with the title. I ask people that almost everybody does it last, but I need it first so I maintain a focus. Yeah, well, that that song did start with that line. Okay, I should tell the people we also heard Ivan the Tolerable with Slow Deep Salt and Silent Black, Puppet Midnight with Does Every Puppet Need a Puppeteer? And finally, Devo's, man, I've been pr- pronouncing it wrong, huh? Gerald V. Casale. I'm going to pay that. you back. <laughs> Easy listening, in parentheses, Pete. Tell me that about this fun. new EP. Yeah. What about this EP? Yeah, you mean the Invisible Man EP? Yes, yes, yes. Well, you know, you know, Mike, I just do what I can, right? It's it's like, you know this, uh, since you are a creative person. You you start, because you're creative, with with no guarantee of anything ever happening, you know, of ever, anything seeing the light of day, certainly not making money. And then you pursue this thing. And if you stay true to yourself, you might luck out like we did. And then when it's, you know, when it takes its inevitable arc and dive, you're still the person you were before you ever got up on that mountain. And so I just do what I can, you know, with Debo and Ice. And I'm still the same guy. I still have the same creative spirit. I love originality. I love to be real. And uh, I do what I can when I can, you know, with limited means and with people who want to work together. And I've I've had some pretty great collaborations and I love Josh Freeze, you know, I mean, I just great love the man. guy. Great drummer man. Oh my God. It's just anymore. He's, he's a great creative spirit and Absolutely. fun to be around. And we work well together. And then uh, you know, Jeff Winter introduced me back, well, reintroduced me to Steve Bartek. And it was just, we were just having fun, you know, again, no agenda, nothing like, let's try to write a hit. It's like, come on, we're senior <laughs> citizens. We're not even going to be taken seriously by the gate, gatekeepers anyway. Just make something that you can be proud of on some level, you know. And don't worry if it's a hit or art, you know, if it's good, it's good. So would you bring these guys demos, or did you jam out the tune? Both cases, uh, different songs. Like, you know, it, like I'm going to pay you back. Josh and I had the idea already, and I fleshed it out and added verses uh, uh, to this chorus we had written together. Jokingly, like, you know, what we're laughing a lot. And, uh, and then with uh, Invisible Man, I had the idea for a song. Right. And I brought it to everybody. But of course, then collaborating, this song changes and gets better. Um, you know, you you have to be open to somebody else's good idea when you hear it and not go, well, that's not my idea. So I don't like this. <laughs> you know, I'm, not, I'm not that guy. <laughs> yeah, that's like uh, cats who get put together bands with a lot lamer people. So they look like the good 
uh, guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's typical. Yeah. That's but not typical. Miles Davis. He, he, no, I'm, I'm going to play with the best guys. I don't care if I'm the lamest. So that's a true artist. And Miles yeah, I was agree. a true artist. I agree. So, so Invisible Man, uh, Ray Milan or Lon Chaney Jr.? Well, you know, we, there's a long history, yeah, of the, of the uh, Invisible Man all the way back, as you've noted, and I think I think there's been three remakes of that. But of course, for me, the Invisible Man, you know, the it's a Jungian dark side kind of thing. Like as soon as the guy can become invisible, of course, he realizes what he can get away with, right? And but also, the Invisible right. Man is the part of yourself that you try to suppress it's your dark side that you're trying to keep in check you're trying to keep it out of sight right and so that's what that invisible man is about and so you in the songs about confronting your own dark side when it when it emerges and appears yeah yeah that's because you know that that yeah but i think that's intense and 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 significant you know but like you said you and josh was laughing yeah because to me there's (laughs) You know, I don't like pretension either. I, just because you have a smart idea, it doesn't mean you have to like ram it down people's throats yeah, pretentiously. Yeah. You have to put a you know big tablespoon of sugar on it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, or, or the punish fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, we're at the end of the second hours of February seventeenth, twenty twenty-three. You just watched Peter's special guest, Gerald Casali. I'm going to get it together. <laughs> I'm going to get it. It is together. Italian. It is Italian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Casala. Uh, probably over there. No, Casali is right. No, Casali. Oh, okay, okay, because I th- would think they would have an I, and then you'd be plural. <laughs> I would be. <laughs> People, hold tight for hour three. February 17, <laughs> 2023. It's the third hour of the Walk from Pedro show. i 
doing digging up the maypole? What are you doing digging up the maypole? The pole wouldn't give an inch. With, while it counted on the yardstick to ratchet up the progress at the speed of speed. Duh.
Show we start off third hour with Gerald V. Casale with The Time Is Now and then Dumbass Youth with Speed of Speed, Mold Omen Al Barmore with Cartilage, Shumsky from uh, Hrvatsky, uh, Croatia, Hrvatska, huh? Akko Mishladazi Bruj. Sorry for fucking up that language. Wolf Eyes and Wolf Raven with Tulsa Once, St. Abdullah and Jason. Nazari with Stub of a Cucumber and Beehive from Devo's Gerald V. Casale. So <laughs> That's the first song I ever wrote. Is that right? <laughs> That's right. You mean going way back? Way back. With, with the Haymarket Riot? No, I wrote it after the Haymarket Riot. I hadn't written any material with, you know, with Haymarket Riot. We were a cover band, right, right, a right, glorified right. cover band. Right, yeah. right, right. right. Like us doing American Woman for fucking four hours every day after school. But <laughs> Debo's mom, you know, her na- uh, the neighbors would say, how do you stand that shit? And she goes, well, at least I know where my son is. So kind of econo <laughs> child care, right? Yeah. So, so, okay, so where did you record the EP, Invisible Man? Uh, both at uh, Josh Freeze's home studio and Steve Bartek's home studio. And, and Josh is in Orange County, right? He's in Long Beach, yeah. Strong Beach, okay, on the border. Uh, yeah, he's near you. He's very near you. Right across the bridge, Terminal Island between us, but he's just north of the Orange Curtain. That's right. <laughs> right, Seal Beach is where it starts. So, and and then and the other place was near where you are. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he, um, uh, Steve Bartek lives uh, at the border of Santa Monica and West LA. Okay, okay, West Side. So, 
Uh, and, and it was very casual, right? You guys just did what you did when you wanted to do it. That's when, whenever somebody was free. Yeah. When, you know, that's not so easy with Josh's schedule. Session man. <laughs> right, right. He's a side mouse people he plays with. In fact, he plays with Devo, right? Yeah. I mean, he's a drum machine. It's like have sticks will travel. That guy, if there's a day he isn't drumming, he's bummed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know a lot of cats who play with him. I've never had the chance, but they say it's righteous getting a fucking throw. Yeah. You know, somebody asked yeah. me. I had to do an interview, and they asked, what, what are you trying to do with the bass? And I said, well, I'm trying to dance with the kick drum. There you go. You know, I tried to find words that they, because it was like a, a, the, the the station that does the Dodger games, you know, so I couldn't get too yeah. muso on them. And so, yeah. yeah uh, that's well, without, the, without that lock between drums and bass, you got nothing. Absolute. Absolute. <laughs> and there are bands without bass players, m- maybe more room in the boat, but fuck, that poor, lonely kick drum. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, is the EP out or is it coming out? Oh, it's out. You know, it came out, you know, there's two record store days because there's like the second one, like November, Black Friday. It came out Black Friday. And they they make you do a limited edition. So the actual vinyl EP sold out. And now there's a, uh, you know, CD and the newly revived audio cassette that somehow in hipsterville has made a comeback <laughs> that's right that's right and 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 sort of like the you guys as devo put out some old stuff and the, the stuff went to your brother we lost your brother right and so yes, there's yeah. something about this this record too some of the the bones go to that to go to his family also yes yes mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. that's beautiful man it's so hard as we get less younger the odds of that happening more and more, right? Oh, well, listen, I mean, with, where, with I'm, you know, I'm much older than you. And uh, uh, believe me, every week I'm watching people I know go down. You know, people I've met, people I've worked with, both musicians and in the arts and also, you know, in the business. Right. Yeah, I'm only 65. Medicare, though, I just qualified. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, and the Republicans may do away with that. Yeah, that's what I hear. But they're trying to say no because it's around maybe an election issue or something. But I think that's part of the plan. They have to lie. They have to lie because they know that's unpopular. And they have no problem lying. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So when you get done with a, a record, are you already thinking of the next one? You know, many times that's true. And as a matter of fact, now I'm working on things with uh, Josh and uh, Steve, Steve for the next Steve one. Steve plays with Boingo, huh? He did. Okay. I mean, you know, when Boingo was allowed to play, but he, you know, he he still he arranges for Danny, and he conducted the orchestra at uh, that big gig at the Hollywood Bowl. Right, and Danny does a lot of stuff for films, and does a lot of stuff for. And, and so does Steve. And Steve, you know, he's, he plays on a lot of other people's recordings. Uh, you know, he he played on somebody's recording that he's not allowed to to uh, admit to publicize. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you can guess. Just think of like maybe the most important uh, rock and roll poet of the 20th century. Yeah. Yeah. I think I know who you mean. Hibben. Yeah. 
that guy from Hibbon. So, uh, Zimmerman? So, yeah, yeah, so you are. <laughs> right, right. Well, I think that was the name of his pop's uh, hardware store. So. Uh, so you are thinking of a, a next... Well, let me play this, because we you still gave me some music here. We got uh, The Owl. Oh, yeah, I like yeah, the owl.
lot from Pedro Show. Start out with well, last music for this edition. That chunk started with Devil's Gerald V. Casale with The Owl. And then uh, Dog, well, it's Plus Dog Plus. I think out of uh, Connecticut or Massachusetts. Nothing left but Appetite. And finally, a Devo song. Beautiful world. Okay. And so you're thinking of a, a what do you think, a whole album or another EP? You know, I would I would love a whole album, but, you know, the problem is do we have the time and the means to put a whole album's worth of material together? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Josh is busier than ever, you know. Absolute. Uh, well, what about your material? Do you have like a, like a trove? I've got, yeah, I probably have a dozen songs right now that I need to, you know, finish. That's, to that sounds like finish. an album. That sounds like an album there. That's plenty of music, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> you just need the cats to help you build it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah. as time goes on, and now you're not a new father because you've never been a father before, right? I've never been a father before. So that That's must... the one thing I didn't manage in my life. But now it's in your lap. It's, uh, yeah, I guess it was now or never. Yeah, yeah. And uh, how is it so far? I've never talked to people about stuff like this. So you're the first time I've talked to somebody like this. Well, you know, you hear so much and people give you so much advice and you yeah. think you know what it's going to be. And you think you've seen enough that you know what it's going to be. And then it happens and your mind is blown. It's like any experience like if you try to tell people what it's like to go out in an arena and play in front of, you know, 50,000 people, you don't know until you've done it what it is. And that's what happened here. It's mind-blowing. <laughs> you're not ready. If you think you're ready, you're foolish. You know, the last time I saw Mark, it was at some play, a party or something. People had me come up to Hollywood. And he was there, and he said he was going the next day to China to, to, to adopt that's right. And that was like 2005, I think. Yeah. And in fact, Stooges had to take the Devo gig at the bumper shoot in Seattle because of that event. That's right. That's right. Man, small world. Everything connected. <laughs> it really does. It really does. Okay. So it's it's literal, people, uh, uh, listeners out there. You don't know until it happens to you. You just can't express it or convey it to somebody because it's, it's an experience like that. Is it? Yeah. And, and you know what? Then they have their minds of their own, right? It's not like, it's sort of like a song. You, you you write it and you put it out there and then it gets, makes of it what it will. Yep. Yep. And you know, your chances of them not hating you is depending on letting them have the mind of their own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's right. Then you have, that shows your, your like philosophies, they're, they're put into practice. Yeah. Is it going to be jive? It was, is it going to be just stuff worn on a shirt sleeve or is it going to be the real thing? You're going to trust your, the next shift with this. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I love it. I love it. What about bass players? Uh, that, uh, you mentioned James Jamerson. Oh my God. I, he was a hero of mine. So it's, me too. Huge, huge. I just, you know, his name only got to be put on one record cover. Marvin Gaye made sure he was on that What's Going On. Yeah. Because yeah. Gary Gordy didn't like to put the side men on the record covers. I, exactly. He was, you know, he was like a staple there, uh, you know, in Hitsville. Uh, like 200. Mode, I think yeah. he's on 200 top tens, at least. 
Oh yeah. Now, uh, now one his, of my one of the most whacked bass lines he played was "Tears of a Clown." Oh yeah, yeah, smoke. Yeah. Now uh, we share a sound man, Mr. Steve Reed. And he went to school with his son, and and he told me Barry Gordy told his son, "You're not going to get in the business. I'm not going to let you in." <laughs> but he finally did. He had that hit with that uh, LAMFO. You know, the guys running around yeah, with the yeah. big outfit. That's his son. Yeah, Steve Reed. He told me he had a lot of fun working with you guys. Yeah. 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 So we share that too. It is small, a small world. But you know, I got to say one guy that had an influence on me, Jack Bruce. What would you think of him? Oh, I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah. That would probably be I had a right up track. there, right under, right under, uh, yeah. And, well, Jack Bruce was, to me, the coolest thing about the cream. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his, his vocals, the songs he was yeah. writing, and oh. So even even I read something that Eric Clapton said that I kind of like, because a lot of stuff I don't. But he said, you know, Jack Bruce taught me to sing with my chest. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you, abandon, let it go, man. Yeah, let I love go. Jack Bruce. He let was cool. Freak flag fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I owe him a lot. I remember I was uh, playing a gig in Mobile when we lost him. And, man, I f- played lame. And then after the gig, I got on the, at the conk pad. I looked at the <laughs> YouTube.com and got all bourboned up and was crying my head off. <laughs> you never know until you lose the cats. It's yeah. been such an honor to have you. When you get your new music uh, going, will you come back on the show and we can play it and you talk about it? You know it. Okay. Thank you so much. Truly. All right. People, February 17, <laughs> 2023 edition. Watt Pedro. So keep your powder right.